Chapter 14 The Castle Fairies Our next stop was really not a building at all, but a marvelous sculpture of ice set high upon a hill. As we approached, I could see a series of steps that wound through a snow-covered slope, dotted here and there with perfectly shaped pines. We walked up the glassy blocks that formed the steps to this crystal castle. As with so many things in this magic land, I felt as if I were in a fairy tale. The walls were made from a series of blocks cut from clear, fine ice. Each row crossed like the bricks I had seen on buildings in the city. On both ends of the castle, a rounded ice tower stood. The top was encircled with openings from which one might have expected a guard to lean forward at any moment and shout, Who goes there? As we approached the fortress, two pillars, intricately carved in a cascading swirl, framed an arch opening. I would not have been surprised if a knight in armor rode forth upon his white steed to rescue some damsel in distress. Just before we arrived at the castle, I noticed that the ice blocks were full of holes, thousands and thousands of holes. What are all those? I asked, pointing to the small open circles covering the walls. The ice is home to fairies, Finola began, but they are now on leave. You have never seen a sight as castle wall at eve. Finola looked up at the fortress, her eyes moving slowly across the dotted surface. When day is done, they return from hours in the sky to roost among the castle walls and rest their limbs and eyes, she said. I peered into Finola's own eyes as she shared her tale. The ice within erupts with light and magical its glow. Shadows cast upon the hill which flood the evening snow. She pointed down towards the valley where elves scurried about their tasks. This sits for us a beacon above our village square, she continued. All who walk upon the street marvel, stop and stare, for this you are about to learn, our most sacred place of all. This, the castle entrance, which hears the children's call. Finola's voice was heavy with emotion as she concluded. She explained what I had always known, but never really understood. Corvinton Turi means mountain of ears. I thought it was named simply for its shape. Large peaks that looked like giant elf ears. There was much more, however, that I did not know. The mountain was full of tiny tunnels, burrowed by the magic fairies, which began in the ears at the top of the mountain. Each led back to one of these homes within the castle walls. Because of the unique shape of these tunnels, the position of our mountain near the top of the world, and the special magic of fairies, children's voices from all over the world are caught within. As I pondered what I had just heard, I thought of the young boy on Elway's wall, alone on Christmas Eve in what I knew must be an orphanage. 
He had no one, no Isoisa, no family waiting in America, only Santa. I could almost hear his trembling voice wishing, with barely any confidence or belief, for that wooden train. Perhaps, like my top, this was his last memory of his parents, riding on a train on some unknown adventure. As if she could read my mind, Finola continued. As she spoke, I could hear a longing in her voice. When a child, lost and alone on evening start as yearn, or whispers to his pillowcase, the fairy's quick return, she explained. From castle home to village square, to workshop do they dart, to perch upon an elf's sharp ear and share a child's heart. I knew that this must be a very special first for an elf, to have a fairy perch upon their ear with a secret Christmas wish. The thought that sprang into my head, however, escaped my lips before I had a chance to notice the small tear on Finola's cheek. Fairies can talk? I carelessly blurted. Finway must have sensed that Finola was having trouble, for before she could reply, he spoke. Would you like to meet one? He offered. Meet a fairy? I dumbfoundedly replied. But they are just tiny lights, aren't they? How can I meet someone I can't see? The room swirled in that awful stillness of silence. I had again spoken without thinking. As I turned to try to explain myself, Finola began to cry. She ran to Finway and laid her head upon his shoulder. By now she was sobbing and trying to catch her breath. Surely I had said something terribly wrong. Finola, I'm sorry, I pleaded. I, I didn't mean to make you cry. What did I do? What did I do? I begged for some explanation. Once again, Finway took charge of the situation. He waved his hand, index finger raised, and I knew I must be patient, for there was someone else who needed him more at the moment. He spoke softly and kindly to Finola. While I could not understand what was being said, the sound and rhythm of the words was so comforting that I found myself feeling better as well. Finally, her tears caught, Finway turned to me. He motioned for me to come and sit by the castle wall. Slowly and patiently, he began. Fairies, like the jacket red, they are a sacred thing, he said. You have truly never lived until you've heard them sing. In sweet, pure sound of golden tones, their voice will fill your mind. And in the lyrics, soft and low, a message you will find. Finway glanced over his shoulder, perhaps checking to make sure Finola was all right. Then he continued in a hushed and quiet tone. It is the dream of every elf to hear the fairy song, he whispered, to make the toy so shiny bright for which the children long. It finally hit me. Making candy was not what Finola wanted to do. 
In her heart of hearts, she longed to be in the toy shop, making toys for boys and girls who dreamed of a bright Christmas. She longed to hear the golden tone of a fairy song within her ear and touch the heart of a child with her gift. My careless laughter at the idea of meeting a fairy must have broken her heart. There was no way for me to apologize. I looked down towards the ground, my hands buried within my pockets, not daring to face Finola. It was then I felt the smooth, familiar toy I had received so long ago, now resting in the bottom of my trousers. I had forgotten that I had placed it there when I had changed into the elf clothing. Slowly I pulled it from its hiding spot. I felt the top smooth wooden shape within my hand as I ran my finger over the circles that carved their way around the sphere. The paint still hung in places upon this treasure. Standing there before its creator, I knew what I had to do. Quietly, I moved closer to the still shaken girl. Without a word, I stretched out my hand towards her, the precious gift balanced in my palm. Gently, I took her hand and rolled the top within, curving her fingers around the wooden memory. This is for you, I softly whispered. Finola looked up at me, her eyes large and raw. Her thin fingers slipped from the top of my toy as she looked down at what I had placed within. A fragile smile spread slowly across her face as she touched the treasure tenderly. Finway, too, nodded his approval. I hugged Finola as I whispered, I want you to make my toy next year. Promise? A small movement of her head confirmed my request had been heard. She slipped the toy back into my hand. This treasure belongs to you, Finola haltingly spoke. But it's magic you have shared. Someday your wish I know I'll grant, and I'll always know you cared. Suddenly, from out of nowhere, Finway flew over our heads like a hawk dropping for its prey. He grabbed our hats as he passed overhead and up into the air. Was this yet another magic gift the elves possessed? His laughter at our stunned silence told me he was again up to his old pranks. As he turned, I noticed the fairies all along the seams of his jacket. He glided like Peter Pan to the top of the castle wall and lightly perched upon the edge. Jumping from brick to brick, he called down to us, Put out your arms and stand apart. My friends will soon be there. Close your eyes and make a wish and fly into the air. We both did as directed, standing like scarecrows in a frozen field. I stood with my eyes tightly closed as I thought about my only wish, to stay with my grandfather forever. Then without warning, I felt my feet lightly lift from the ground. Daring only to open my eyes a slit, I could see that I was now high above the castle. Finola was there beside me. The magic lights were below and all around us. From his icy landing, Finway zoomed into the sky. 
second star to the right, straight on until morning, he mimicked. We all laughed as we, like him, zipped across the sky in arching circles.